Hello, you're listening or watching Abiding Life Studios. Today I have with me my wife, Shay Wells. Hello. And I have Tim and Karen Lester with us. Hey, Hi. guys. <laughs> and where are you guys at? Uh, we're Hagerstown, in Maryland. Hagerstown, yeah, and, Maryland. Yes, and we're doing proper social distancing right now because yes, we, are we are in our office. Yes, we're being good people here. Um, so let's just get right into it. Um, I, I really wanted these guys to talk about, I had a question the other day and I wanted to have them go into it a little bit more. And it, the question is, how does, uh, you know, a dominant thinker, a dominant feeler, a dominant doer, um, get through or the process they need to go through for a mate that has um, been unfaithful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. No, that was a, that was a really good question. And we, what we want to do is lay out just some real foundational things. Nothing long. Just a couple, three ideas with each one of them. So we're going to talk about feelers first, and we'll talk about feelers as the victim. And all we mean by victim is is they're the one that didn't do the affair. Yeah. And then we'll talk about them as a perpetrator, which means they did do the affair. And, and then mm -hmm. later on, we'll talk about some practical things to kind of help people move along. And hey, listen, if we need to talk more about this, because, um, uh, you know, it's gone too long, then, then fine. So I'm going to start right out, out off with uh, feelers. And uh, when we talk about our unique self-test that we give, by the way, you can go online and take that test. Um, there's three areas that it measures you in. One is sort of in the public setting. Uh, another is in the... Um, uh, is in a in a more under pressure or when you're decision making that kind of thing like that and the others in the affection area and and it, it would shock anybody to know affection is sort of your personal relationships and things like that and the amount of love you want to love and hugging and attention you require and the amount that you give out and so feelers mm -hmm. um, uh, that so primarily when there's an affair involved primarily affects this sort of this personal relationship affection area and since they're under pressure then obviously it can bleed over into that but a person that's a dominant feeler like you were talking about just a few little things as a victim here's some things that they will do how they'll react if they're a victim first thing they're going to try harder to fix the thing so they'll work like crazy so if a person's got a lot of feeler in them they'll assume that they did something wrong mm -hmm. And they'll just work harder and harder and harder. Of course, depending on where they're at in terms of the relationship, you know, this person that had the affair may or may not want to quit or they may or may not want to talk about that, that kind of thing like that. But, but that feeler is just going to work like crazy to not lose the relationship because they have this really, really, really high need uh, for love and affection. And that's hearing I love you, having them touch them, the sexual relationship, all of that, a really high feeler wants a lot or needs a lot and they'll express a lot. So they'll just go great guns trying to do that. And of course, if this person is kind of the person that, that had the affair, if they don't know if they want it or if they're not wanting to talk about it, every single time they don't talk about it or every single time they don't receive the, this victim's, uh, the feeler's love and affection, yeah. it hurts them again and again and again and again. And here's the big, the big caution if you're a feeler and, and your mate has had an affair, while you'll keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying, they can finally just get exhausted 
and they'll start looking to other places to get that that it that really insatiable need for for the I love yous and the touching and the hugging and that kind of thing like that. They can go to other places, and obviously it could be they could just drink like a fish because they don't have to feel any pain anymore, or they could go find somebody else. Not because they were looking to have an affair; they're just starving to death. Yeah. So that's kind of the feeler as a victim, and Karen's going to tell you a little bit about them as a as a perpetrator. The, uh, as we had said, feelers have a very high need for love and affection, and that can drive them to walk outside the marriage to have that need met. Mm. Um, at the same time, if they are the perpetrator, they could also feel uh, a lot of guilt and shame for what they have done, mainly because they're relationship driven. Um, Again, they can lie for a while about you know the facts of what has happened, but again, the guilt and the shame will override them because they want so much to have this relationship fixed that they'll just spill everything out and run the risk of, of the marriage not being able to be reconciled. And finally, um, they can easily create offenses within their spouse to justify them walking outside the marriage, which may be um, truthful or not, but they can live in a fantasy that say, because my spouse does this, this, and this, I need to have more. And mm -hmm. so that'll be the justification and obviously, you know, op operating wrongly. Yeah, so, so let's think about that for a minute. While we were talking about that, is there anything just popped up in your mind about feelers, uh, anything at all? If not, then we'll just move on to the next one in terms of a victim or a perpetrator? Well, I was just gonna ask, do feelers tend to then live in like a cycle of like, I want this, so I'm gonna step out, but then now I feel bad, but then I want it, so I'm gonna step out. So then do they kind of create their own cycle yep. of family? Because that high need for love and affection needs to be met. And if they are not seeking Christ to have that need met, they can easily find other places to do. And it'll be fantasies as well. So. Yeah. And so a lot of feelers then, they, you know, they'll get married like the rest of us did thinking, oh, my mate is going to complete me, yeah. you know, <laughs> and they're going to meet all my needs and all that kind of stuff like that. And they, I mean, honestly, you give a feeler 150 hugs in a day and they'll be mad at you because you didn't give them 151. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they just are that driven. And so you're right. They just cycle in and out. Great observation. Any other uh, thoughts or observation? You guys work with people and, and things you've about feelers in, in situations like this. Well, I guess my question would be is if, if I'm a high feeler and whoever my mate is and I ask for sex and they say no, what does, is, does that make a high feeler step out you think more or have that justification to step out they can try harder and harder to please but again they are so driven by that need for love and affection they can take that as rejection then at the same time start assigning things that their mate is are doing that i said could be you know fantasy or not to justify what they are about to do and we just finished working with a couple that the the girl was the um, perpetrator in this high feeler and she was married to a thinker. Mm -hmm. um, she didn't get what she wanted and then she um, decided to work harder at it and then she started finding little pit things to, to say this is why I'm going to do this and then she did. And then she came back and felt great uh, guilt and shame and tried to work hard to fix it. but right now it's not looking real promising. Yeah. And so the feelers are really impulsive. 
And uh, so they, they're pretty good at, pretty easy at justifying going to get that need met somewhere else okay. and not going to Christ and not going to Christ. And so you yeah. said, so they just need to be aware. I'm not saying they're more likely to have affairs than anybody else. Right. I'm just saying, you know, they're going to get it met and you know, they'll get it met one way or the other. But they're also high blame takers as well. And so they will work as Tim had said, as the victim, um, really, really hard to please. And finally they just give up. And instead of seeking Christ or um, counseling, they end up walking outside the marriage to have that need met. And then they feel tremendous guilt and shame for what they have done. Yeah, so that cyclical thing you were talking about, Jay, that definitely happens with them. So, well, let's move on to, Oh, oh, did you have another question? One more thing to say, and maybe yeah. cover it down the road. But I'm just wondering if, do you think it's? I've heard this from a lot of men, but I don't know if this is all men or is it just all unique self or it's everybody and they just don't talk about it. Do you think uh, most people get acceptance from sex, or do you yes. think that's more of a men thing? Well, good question. Sorry, oh. didn't mean to interrupt you. No, men definitely, mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's right, yeah. but they, much of their identity gets tied into the sexual relationship. Right. Now, where this gets muddy is because it is true that men are driven more, I mean, they are, they are initially uh, stimulated in a sexual way by visual, mm -hmm. and women are, are, are primarily initially uh, uh, um, stimulated by the, the emotional connection. I'm not arguing that. Right. That's true. And everybody that knows anything about this would agree with that a lot smarter than any of the people, four people in this circle. But, but you need to rec we need to recognize that men either rightly or wrongly place a huge amount of their identity in their sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if they're not quote unquote getting it, mm -hmm. not to be respectful, then somehow something of them as a man is not complete. Yes. Now, of course, the problem is, and this is why we've heard it so much, is so then men sometimes will use that as an excuse to go out and have sex with somebody. Or yes. watch porn. Or watch porn. Right. But that also mm -hmm. works for women as well. We are emotional beings and we like to, if we are initiating or even if we are not, we still need that as well to know that we have value and we you know look okay to our spouse and so yeah. if we have don't have that we can easily want to walk out of the marriage to get that assurance that i do have value with the opposite sex yeah and the, the other thing for women's this has changed now because we have so many different medias but i'll use the example of it uh whereas porn for a man might be and i'm not trying to get off into the porn thing but porn for a man might be this thing where he fantasizes about him being amazing right. and therefore his identity is restored for a one that's why romance novels have always had their place even if people are watching them on a movie rather than reading them if they're not readers because right. i can get a woman emotionally feels connected to all that and so it's it's her porn no disrespect to the women right okay all right, so next would be the thinkers, and I'm gonna have Karen talk to you about the thinkers as the victim. Okay, well, thinkers are in their mind a lot, and so they can easily um, hold a grudge for forever if they want, because they right. keep playing the offense over and over in their mind, and then it justifies 
what they are feeling. Um, when actually having to confront the other person, they want to know every detail. They'll withdraw for a while and have a lot of questions, but then they want to know every single detail and facts of where it happened, how it happened, all of that. Um, thinkers naturally have a low self-esteem. Um, mm. And so uh, in affection area, this the offense um, could be something that they really can't live with because it justifies how low they feel about themselves. So if somebody's walked out of the marriage, it only starts to mm -hmm. affirm, right. I am really not lovable. Right. And so that, that can get a feeling in there too. Um, and finally, they, uh, thinkers have a high need for trustworthiness um, and they expect that loyalty and trustworthiness, not only of themselves, but of the person that they are married with. And sometimes when that is broken, it is so tough to get past that. Now, God can do anything, but again, for a thinker, they may not be able, they'll forgive, but they may not be able to risk again that deep level of hurt because they they only have a few close friends and if we're talking about a spouse they expect that trustworthiness and that mm -hmm. loyalty to be lived up to as they are doing themselves right. and so once that's broken then they really if they really want that marriage back they're going to have to get counseling and christ is going to have to work within them for that healing and we're going to talk a lot of, more about that but again that thinker he will replay or she will replay that offense over and over and over again mm. yeah and so thinkers thinker victims really if they're a woman they have two things going against them if people don't know this women naturally are blame takers they may with their mm. words say you did this wrong you did that wrong but internally they're blaming themselves all the time that's what women do uh, well, and the feeler will do that as well because yeah. they're so relationship driven that they will try and try and try again, blaming themselves that it has to be something wrong with me. And if I do this better, then they will not do that again. Right. And, but so then the thinker, so you got, if you got a woman who's also a thinker, so she's got two shotguns coming at her yeah. and they're aimed at herself, not at other people. Yeah. And, and she pulls the trigger on them because she assumes exactly what Karen did had just been saying. So that's sort of them as a victim. Right. Because again, they really, because of their low self-esteem, they will look at that affair as I must be what I feel internally about myself at any one point. I am unlovable, unacceptable. And here's mm -hmm. my spouse just walked out of the marriage, which only goes to prove what I'm thinking about yeah, myself. It, yeah. And so if you've got, let's say, whether it was a man or a woman, that's the thinker, that's the victim the the person generally speaking when people cheat on their mates they're not all that excited about talking about that even if they're gonna you know be favorable to the marriage and that kind of thing like that they don't get up in the morning and go you know what i really need to do the hard work of restoring this relationship uh they're not going to do that yeah. or they don't want to do that and even that sends a message to this thinker that i'm not worth the time energy effort uh, you know, to, to engage in this thing. I think that they would just feel like they got blown off because again, as a victim, that thinker wants to know the details after they've thought through the, some of the questions they need. And if they are married to someone who doesn't really want to go into the details about it, they will again, take on that image. I must not even have any worthy to even talk mm. about. Uh, a funny, but not so funny word of caution. Um, thinkers uh, do turn things inside and they're the ultimate stewards. You know, they just think and think and think like exactly what Cameron's talking about, but they are highly capable 
of an explosion, like an anger explosion, mm-hmm. you don't want to be around them on the day when they have that explosion. Because <laughs> they've got it completely yeah. out. Yeah, and so they may act perfectly, clean the house perfectly, take care of the kids, you know, all those kinds of things. And then all of a sudden everybody's surprised when they see the two before coming at them, you know, yeah. <laughs> from the side of their head. Now, as a, so let me talk to you about them as a perpetrator and then you guys maybe have some questions or you, you guys, again, you work for people, so you made some comments that you've seen with individuals. Uh, as a perpetrator, the thinker, remember Karen said that their trustworthiness and loyalty and all of that is incredibly important to them. Mm-hmm. And this is whether it's a man or a woman. And so for them to go outside the marriage, I don't know that I've ever run into a thinker that has an affair that didn't have something happen that they really felt like the trustworthiness and the loyalty and the, com- the covenant, if you will, or the promise, uh, or even if they weren't married, you know, there's plenty of people live together that aren't married now, that they feel like this, the, the implied commitment that we have with each other yeah. is somehow been broken. Even mm-hmm. if it's just a, a feeling that something has happened would drive them to do that. It doesn't mean that something did happen with the other person. But again, that loyalty and trustworthiness is a big, um, important factor in the, in the thinker. And so, so there's that piece. So if they did it, most of the time, you know, maybe we'll find somebody, but most of the time, the mate and probably before they got into the relationship um, has really broken the, the covenant, the, com- the promises that they've made to each other to remain loyal. Mm-hmm. And, but if they do go ahead and have an affair, they're going to be incredibly reluctant to talk about it because they, they already feel guilty. They're already beating themselves up over it because they know it's not supposed to be there. Right. So they're going to be reluctant to talk about it. Well, they cross their line. Yes. Yeah, they cross they their trust, own line. Trustworthiness. And so they're not going to want to be readily ready to share that. And, uh, and then you, you've got this. If they feel that they've not lived up to the expectations in the marriage, like job. a job or parenting or something like that, and this is, this is a reason why they might go outside, they will go into some fantasy world um, where they don't have to think anything about their failure. And so one of the reasons they get pulled aside, the reason they would consider a relationship breaker uh, is, is whether it's porn or they might go see a prostitute or they uh, could easily get involved with somebody at work. They didn't see it coming. There's a, a book out there and I don't even remember the title now or I'll tell you what it is, but it, it, it and it's research it's been done and it's only gotten worse since then that, 86% of uh, affairs happen with people that you already know, mm-hmm. like in the workplace or in your sphere of influence. And catch this, they all start out with the two people sort of commiserating with each other that, oh, you need to hang in there. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I know you love him or I know you love her. So they actually start out trying to help each other and then they end up falling in love. Well, that person mm-hmm. also can um, be building the confidence up and they feel very valued in that person's presence. Whether, as I said, if it's you know porn or something like that, then that's a fantasy. But if it is somebody in the, in the workplace, that relationship has already been established. And so they already feel acceptance and praise there where in the marriage, 
and said the wife or husband may not even be saying this, but they feel through failure in a job or the parenting skills that they have failed their spouse in some reason. So this other person now is building them up in an area that they feel so devalued by. And it could be, I said, not even true. They've assigned a motive to it simply from within. Mm. And, and the last thing I tell you about a thinker, if they're having affairs, uh, this whole thing was talking about, Karen was talking about how they have this, um, they have several things in their life that haven't worked out. Uh, because a thinker has such a high standard for themselves and their identity is wrapped up, whether it's a man or a woman, in what they do. Mm -hmm. If everything in their life is failing in what they do, some people just break and go do something else that they feel like they're succeeding at. Mm -hmm. And it's this fantasy world they're living in. And they don't even have to look back at all the stuff that's a complete failure in their life. And so there may, may or may not have been a, um, all that bad of a person, but if a, an accumulation of things happen, and I'm not trying to excuse people for having affairs, we're just trying to understand why that happens. Yeah. But one of the difficulties is it's very hard for them to come back. So even if they go to counseling, having to admit and look at what they did. That went, it did, it crossed the line, yeah. but they're always in their head. They're replaying, you know, what what has happened, and they can be blaming themselves and all of this, and be very difficult to bring them back, even though they were the ones that caused the affair. So that's kind of an overview of them. So any thoughts or input or thinking about thinkers either as victims or as uh, the uh, the perpetrator? Well, I think I already know the answer to this, but a thinker is a long lister, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so they're going to remember the littlest things from 20 years ago, even. Yes. And pull yeah. it back out into the conversation over yeah. and over again without having some specific guidelines if we're going to be working on reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. And so the problem with that is even if I've got a mate, let's say that I've got a mate that I, so I'm a thinker and I was the victim and I've got my long list of things and that the person's done wrong and all that. And so now um, uh, let's say that my mate says, yep, I want to make this work. I was wrong. I was, uh, you know, I, this has destroyed the marriage and so on. And so man, they're paddling as hard and fast as they can go. And it's sincere. They're really trying hard. Well, here's the danger for the, for the thinker. The danger is, is that they'll say, well, yeah, but, you did, yeah, you may have got that right, but what about no, 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 and they got a whole long list. So, so that's that's a huge deal for them because it informs how they go forward because they keep bringing up the list. And the problem is they never take anything off the list. Yeah. Yeah. And so they can be years later still remembering it. And here's the thing about it is for a thinker, if it's on their list and they can think about it, it's almost like, what happens for them in their mind is like it just happened. Right. Yeah. They're replanted in their head. Like, like none of the other temperaments. Well, too. And remember that they have one of the lowest self-esteems. And so in their mind, they can be replaying. Yes. Here are the offenses, but they can also have that a flip is they have those offenses because I'm not valuable or loved. And so they can keep going back and forth in that and just, just really be in a spiral. Well, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, like for Shay and I, we are both long listing people and we kind of sat down and said, 
yeah, that's fine and dandy for everybody else, but we are not going to do that with each other. Right. And we've stuck to that. I mean, that's good. I can't even tell you what the last argument was about because I refuse to remember it. Well, and that falls under the category of fair fighting. You know, when we talk about you don't get to bring up stuff that's already been settled. Once it's done and we've talked about it, then we don't get to bring it up in another, you know, conflictual argument. It's just, that is not fair. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things that, um, in what you guys did is brilliant. And here's why a lot of the times, no matter what temperaments do this, but thinkers are masters at this, whether the person's had it fair or not, <laughs> if, if they don't say, we're just going to talk about the thing we're talking about right here, this, this one issue that we're talking about. A lot of times when things happen, you guys know this, there's usually two or three or four or 10 legitimate issues. And there's tentacles going everywhere. In all kinds of tentacles. Yeah. And so what happens is, is two, two things make it impossible to settle that. One is, I try to come up with one answer that fits all those things. Mm. Well, you can't do that because it's too complex. Yeah. You know, so for an example would be, you know, Shay, although I know this would never happen, perhaps might have been a bit snippy with you when you came over. I know, Shay, that's hard to believe. <laughs> and, and so you come in and you've done something boneheaded, which of course would never happen, Noah. And But she's a little snippy with you. And so all you want to talk about is the fact that she overreacted to your boneheadedness and she was snippy and so on and so forth. Right. Well, there's two legitimate issues. You were boneheaded and she was snippy. Let's yeah. have two separate conversations about that. Yeah. One at a time, yeah. settle that and then go on to the other part. Yeah. But we're so entrenched in getting our point across. We can't do yeah. it. And it makes it hard for us to own up. Maybe hard for Shay to own up that she was snippy because of what Noah did. And Noah is hard to say, you know what? Um, yes, I did that. So sometimes it's hard to own up to our own stuff. I mean, that's oh, yeah, what, definitely. yeah. I mean, but you guys have probably already discovered you can't do that, right? I mean, you have to have all the conversations. Yeah. Oh yeah. We definitely have to have the conversation. We still, yeah. And then, funds, and, yeah, you got to stop. Well, yeah, and, and so then, but you add on top of that, what you guys just brought up is that you've decided, look, we're not talking about old history when we go to talk about something. Yeah. Because if we've already got at least two or three legitimate issues, and then I add 10 from the long list in the past, that you thought were settled. You, yeah. You're never going to get that, that issue settled. No, just brings up old hurts. Right. We and then it, it starts to spiral and it, yeah. just, it doesn't go anywhere. So yeah. that's not that thinkers are the only ones that do that. They are just the kings and queens of that. Right. So congratulations. You guys are the king and queen of making lists. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, your mom. I hope you're not really writing them down. <laughs> but I do have a question and it kind of goes into that. And I know we're going to talk about like the closure of it sure. later. But yeah. if, if I'm a high thinker and he steps out on our marriage, mm-hmm. and I need to know all of the details. Mm-hmm. What's the benefit of even knowing all of the details if then I'm going to put that all on my list because I know as a thinker, they can come up with their own scenarios and those are probably 10 times worse than what really happened. Mm-hmm. But then what is, what is the benefit of even telling, and I'm just kind of telling it from the other side, sure. 
why would I want to tell my spouse who's a high thinker all of the details when that just basically gives them the ammo to bring that up for 10 years because now they know the details instead of allowing them to just make up their own details. Mm-hmm. Well, the only way that that would stop would be to present them to Christ. And we'll be talking about that in the forgiveness piece of that. But I think as a thinker, you being wanting to know all the details just because you would, as you had said, replay them in your mind, you'd fill in what you want to fill in. And it could be much worse than what it is. Once you have all the facts you can move forward a lot easier than Mm -hmm. all the unknowns. Thinkers do not work in unknown areas very well. They want to know the facts so they can move forward with that. And again, that's unfair fighting if they continue to replay that and use that as ammunition in um, another argument. And that's where, you know, I said good Christian counseling comes in and of course the nearness of Christ as well to work on the healing piece of that. But again, we're going to be getting into a little bit more of that later on. Okay. But but in addition to that, um, the 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 my argument would be uh, just expounding on what Karen said a little bit is that for the thinker, I'm talking about the thinker right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. There's the danger that they could use that to bring up and put on the list. But because of who they are as a thinker, they have to process data. They, they need to know all they, the data. They, they, it's, it's driven. They, they don't get closure without it. Now, there's a sense in which we're all like that, but particularly for the thinker, they literally, a lack of data actually creates fear, anxiety, that kind of thing like that. And uh, so that's the, pri- from, from our perspective, that's the primary reason for a thinker. Because what they'll do is even if you've bullied them into not asking you any more questions, which is what a lot of people do to thinkers. Look, you've asked these questions, that gone it, that happened three months ago and you know, or whatever time it's been, um, they don't realize because they didn't get the data they needed. They're, they're still processing in their mind, except they have nothing to process. So closure, in our opinion, is absolutely impossible for them. So what you're doing is you're weighing, do you want them to have some closure about this if they can? And I'm not saying just because you do that, it guarantees they have closure. Right. I'm saying because of the nature of the way their brain works, it's worth the risk of them putting it on the list later on. Mm-hmm. Okay. They actually stall out in actually moving forward if they don't have all the data. And in their mind, there are unanswered questions because they need to know all the facts. It's just, it's in them. Mm -hmm. And so even though you run that risk, uh, without it, you're not gonna be able to move forward as easily because they're operating in the unknown and they don't do well with that. And so Shay, did that answer your question or did we go somewhere you didn't need to go? No, it did. I'm just wondering, like, as a thinker, even if you tell them 100% of the details, they're still going to add on there. Was that the whole detail? Was that how, how would they kind of stop that thinking? Because like, even if, if I was a super, super high thinker and he told me everything, well, I still have my story on top of his story now. And so it's really up to them to kind of decipher the true details and the made up details and stop themselves. Right. Part of that is going to be covered as we work on forgiveness piece of that, because much of that is going to depend upon um, 
faith in Christ in the healing piece of that. But again, just looking at this part of it, without telling all the details, that person's going to fill in their own and they're not going to be able to move forward because they're not operating in reality anymore. Right. So in order to move forward, we need to disclose all that's being asked of them to disclose and even more than what if that is if you have committed that you know walking out of the marriage you need to disclose everything and that person if they're the thinker receiving it needs to have all that as well yeah and so there is ends up being two parts then shay uh that one it's le it is legitimate to say look they need this data to to deal with this but there's still the reality, as you have pointed out, very specific. I, even if you give me all that data, I'm going to want to attach other things and wonder about other things. Well, now the responsibility shifted from the perpetrator giving him the data to the individual because if they do poorly once they have the data, yeah, okay, that you, you don't, you don't, you can make that choice, but you don't, you don't get to do that choice and keep your marriage because it'll drive you mad. Well, then you work on. That forgiveness piece of that. And that's what we wanted to take, you know, pick up the next time. Okay. okay. And so, so guys, um, we actually have, uh, one more. I'm just wondering with the time, do we want to go on or we do we want to do part two, uh, this? Well, let's let's, do the doer. Yeah, let's go to do the doer and then, uh, then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Sounds great. Well, so the doer, uh, the way that works again, there's a victim for the doer. Um, they, if they're, if they're the victim, they may or may not want to stay in the marriage. Because the doer is going, hey, listen, I was giving my best effort. You know, gave you more than I gave anybody and you blew it. Uh, and, uh, of course, they're not going to see that they did anything to create that problem. And so they they may say, well, I'm never going to be divorced. So I'm going to work on this no matter what. Or they might just say, hey, we're done. We're out of here. And there's no amount of talking to them that's going to get them to do it. They are going to be incredibly angry. And they will express that anger. And they will punish you and they will blame the other person for the failure of the marriage. The problem here is, I'm not saying every doer, but many doers are a little more difficult to live with than others. Mm. And so they may drive their mate crazy, though their mate can't stand it anymore. And they're never the doer, if they're the victim, in other words, they didn't do the affair, they're never gonna wanna talk about anything in their part of the marriage that was wrong. All they wanna talk about is you went out and got with another man or another woman. Right. Um, uh, they have a tendency to make you pay for this for the rest of your life. I mean, you're, you're going to pay and you're going to pay. And, um, uh, and it's very simply because they can't stand to be embarrassed. You know, they're in charge of the world and whatever my world is involved. And, um, um, <clears throat> um, I, the only other thing I would tell you is somebody they trust, they need to invite into their life to speak to these, even if it's not in front of the person that had the affair that says, will you help ask hard questions about, did I do anything to contribute to this? I understand the other person had the affair, but what did I do to throw gas on this? Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. So that's them as a do the doer as a victim. And that is going to be very hard for them to do because again, they don't want to take ownership of what they did in this. So it would have to be a trusted friend that could actually talk and they could receive some of that hard stuff. Now, whether they accept it or not, that's up to them. But again, it is, it's hard for a doer to take on anything that they did wrong in this relationship. Mm. And Karen, I'll cover the per perpetrator. Uh, you have any questions about that or comments about that piece? I mean, that one's pretty straightforward. 
to, yeah. you know, I'm going to make something, say, make a statement that I'm going to get in trouble for and then turn it over to Karen. We don't run into too many doers that people have affairs on unless they're married to another doer. Mm -hmm. oh, oh. Doers usually create, often create an environment that nobody can live with them. Mm -hmm. And, and then they want to blame the world because they were the perfect husband or the perfect wife. So usually a doer is going to be the perpetrator <laughs> instead of the victim. But um, even if they didn't have the affair. And as a perpetrator, um, as a doer, um, they feel um, that they have the right to get what they want. So if they're not, things aren't going their way, they will walk outside the marriage because they feel like they have rights and they deserve that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they will often, often tell the other person just to get over it. You know, you, you know, I, you just need to move past that. So now the doer is asking the other um, person to look through their, their filter system, which obviously we've talked about that, that, that may not work. Um, and they can also hold their victim captive, performance-based acceptance. So this is what I expect from you. And, but the bar is always changing. And so if they don't do what that person has told them to do, I did this affair because you didn't do this. So if you do this, then I won't go out on, I won't do this anymore. Except that that bar keeps changing, which leaves room for more affairs and come back. Well, you didn't do, but maybe they added three or four more things on the list. So now that poor victim is really captive to the, the, the offender. And so that's how they act and react as, as a perpetrator. So uh, ask some questions, make some comments about doers. Well, I guess my question would be, if their mate is a feeler or a thinker, can you go into what, what that's like? Is that uh, well, yeah. It, will, it could push that feeler into having an affair because if she can't get it right over and over and over again because the bar keeps changing, she could easily walk outside the marriage as well. And that could or be he. in several different ways. So. Yeah. So, because feelers are so impulsive, if they're married to a doer and a doer says, Well, hey, sir, you need to get over it. We're not talking about this. We're not, you know, you know I'm not doing anything with you about this. Uh, I said I wasn't going to do it again. You just need to trust me and get over it. Then, then the feeler can get really impulsive, and they'll they'll just find somebody else that'll give them some attention and time. And then, of course, the doer will feel justified. And by the way, even though they had the affair first, uh, whether it's man or woman, um, they'll, <laughs> uh, they'll use the fact that they pushed somebody out of the marriage, uh, and they'll use everything they can do to, to manipulate them. They'll threaten them with their kids. They'll threaten them with money. They'll threaten you'll pay for the rest of your life. You know, that kind of thing like that. Okay. The feeler could easily feel more than the others um, as a victim in this as far as being trapped because they're so driven by that relationship that they would keep performing and performing to try to get it right. And eventually they just give up and they become either numb to the relationship and emotionally not connected, or they actually find a way to get some soothing outside of the marriage. And with thinkers, here's what happens, Noah. Uh, thinkers, they're one of their huge needs in life. In, in any relationship, particularly in a, in a marriage, and this is either a, a man or a woman, mm -hmm. uh, if, if they're married to a doer and doer has the affair, a thinker has to have security. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, they have a really high need for security. And so that means they know they're going to have a house to live in. They know there's going to be enough money to eat. If they have children, my, my children are going to be taken care of and that kind of thing like that. And so I'll use the example of a woman, not that there aren't, you know, it couldn't be the other way. But uh, uh, we've seen a lot of doers basically threaten a thinker with, I'm going to make your life miserable. I'm going to take your kids away. I'll make sure you're living on the street or you're living back with your mom and dad. I'm going to take every penny you've got and so on and so forth. Well, it can be the other way as well. But the, the problem is that the, if the doer doesn't want to settle the issue, he just wants this to go away or she just wants this to go away because they don't want to deal with it, then they'll, they'll do whatever they've got to do to keep that thinker in line. And usually it's by intim intimidation and manipulation and threats. And if you talk to that doer, male or female, they'll tell you, hey, my marriage is great. My life is great. That's what mm -hmm. they say because they forced everybody in their life to play their game. They're the king or queen of the household and everybody's scared to death of them, not necessarily just to get beat up. I don't mean that, but they're scared that they're going to lose their security. This is with the thinker. And so um, they, the, the doer are going to think everything's perfect. It's wonderful. On the other hand, the thinker is, con I guarantee you, they're constantly going over in their mind all the stuff that happened from the, the past, the affairs and that kind of thing like that. And in their mind, it's never going to stop because you see there's never been any reconnect emotionally. Nobody's ever really done anything so they can come together. Well, and that thinker is going to be living in fear as well and keep trying and trying, but not really 100% connected in the marriage, which then drives the doer to go have some more affairs. And so it's a, mm -hmm. it's a constant circle there without well, some intervention. Does that make sense? It blows up. Yeah, until the thinker blows up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and uh, again, I want to be aware of our time, but any more... I just have one more and then we can, we can wrap it up. But um, what if... Uh, there's a doer and a doer married to each other. <laughs> what happens when one cheats on the other? Does the uh, other just cheat then? And, and, yeah, sure. Could. Yeah. And sure. they feel very justified in doing that. And it's it would be very difficult to be putting that back together. But again, they um, they justify their actions. They can make the other person try to pay for it. But again, a doer is not going to be told what to do. So they're going to do what they want to do and feel justified in doing it. Right. So both could be having. Yeah, fight. it's all at war, and if you're their friends, don't you dare let them corner you. Either one of them corner you because they'll try to enlist you in their plan. Yeah, they're going to throw to the other person want. under the bus easily, yeah. and they want to rally people around the around them that think that way. Yeah, because doers like to use people, right? To yes, get what they need to get done. Yes, and so yeah. they're immediately going to go to their sphere of friends to get turn all of those friends against the other mate. Yeah. If you know, because then they feel just see all of my friends agree with me. Well, and, and that person has friends too. So yeah. You know, and then the other doer does the yeah. same thing and there's the war on hand. So I, I know, I know we're going to close this off, but um, I would encourage uh, two things. First of all, for you and Noah uh, that you guys kind of think through, I realize we just kind of laid out a foundation mm -hmm. and we were trying to be quick, but like always, I'm never quick about anything. And so you guys think through some more, let's talk about in part two, some of the applications of this. So that's one thing. Yeah. Second thing is we're going to talk about if I've got two people, regardless of what unique self they are, 
how can they start to rebuild this thing? What are some just really practical things they can do to rebuild yeah. this thing? Because I don't want to leave people hanging about that. So that's what we'll talk about the next time. And the last thing is a disclaimer, and it's just this. We love, we, we actually believe that there's a way that a person's thinking and feeling can be changed. Mm-hmm. And it isn't them. Yeah. We've seen people try and try again to get a positive mental attitude, to get to change their mind, to change their thinking, to whatever. And at some point along the way, and maybe it's a part three, I actually think that that happens in a very supernatural way because people are always asking, what in the heck does Jesus have to do with anything? And I'm probably not supposed to use the word heck. Uh, but the bottom line is, I think there's something that we need to talk about it. how about how thinking and feeling changes. Well, a lot of times those people will come and say, I really want my marriage. I want a new marriage. I just don't know how to get past the unforgiveness. I don't know how to get past mm-hmm. what happened to me, all of those things. And, but if they really, really want to work on the marriage, that that would be a supernatural. And we have ways of guiding them through that, but that's going to be Christ within them, helping to, them to guide through that unforgiveness and the bitterness and start to fade. So they are really, really rebuilding their marriage. And we have said we have steps to bring them through that, cool. but they both want, need to want to want that. Right. Yes. Guys. And, you know, and that's what made me think of it. Like when Shay and I were going through our hard time on paper, anyone, if you would have showed anybody, they'd say divorce. Yeah. You know? <laughs> people tell us that yeah. We had people times. say, and you know, the thing that I was in my own thing and Shay was in her thing, but the thing that God kept telling Shay was just love them. Yep. And that's the only way we're still together is because yeah. of Jesus. So, yeah, I, and so I, I agree. And I mean, I, we know you guys' story, so I think there'd be value in hearing you, not maybe not the sec- next time, but talk about some mm-hmm. of those really supernatural things that happen because I just want to hurl. And I know I'm not supposed to use that word either. I want to hurl when I hear people say things like, well, what in the world does Jesus have to do with anything? Or what's God doing people's lives? He's just kind of up there. Yeah. You, you guys, and I'm not, I don't have to tell you how amazing you are. You already know I think you're amazing. But what's really amazing is how messed up the two of you were mm-hmm. in some of your thinking and your feeling towards each other, uh, towards each other shifted radically. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, t- I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that's saying you didn't do that. No. no, and we you know. guys did not do that. Well, too, we've heard people say, "Well, God wants me happy in my marriage, so I don't think I need to be married to this person." And right. so they yeah. have to justify yeah. it that way as well, and that's simply not true. Yeah, and so true. you know, yeah. obviously, we're hoping they're sitting in a counselor's office when they're saying that, so that we can try to put some um, disclaimer to that. Well, thank right. you guys for being patient. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for doing that. This is part one. Um, We'll do another part two very soon. Thank you for listening and thank you for watching (laughs) Abiding Live Studios. Thanks again, guys.